Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, everybody, to the Pragmatic Data Podcast. I am Nicholas C. Fuentes Goodbody, and I am joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, the man with the master plan, Gonzalo Diaz. Gonzalo, how are you? I'm doing great today. Hi, Nicholas. Uh, how are you doing? You know, everything is good. This is my last day before vacation, so I'm like wrapping everything up. Um, and today we have a really special episode. We're actually joined by our very own Ana Hochoa. She's a data scientist on the data science team and also a data science instructor. Uh, welcome, Ana. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. It's great to be with you. Great. Yeah. And, and today we have a great episode uh, lined up. Uh, we're going to hear all about um, uh, Anna's uh, work. Uh, um... Yeah. So uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to Anna is because we think of data scientists or data science as an inherently multidisciplinary field. So there are lots of flavors of data science when the industries change or different techniques that people use for their decision making. And Anna's story and her interests are very much in line with that notion of interdisciplinarity. And so that's what we're really excited to talk to you about today, Anna. Great. Yes, I'm very excited to be here. I'm happy to share my story, hopefully inspire people from all sorts of fields to be encouraged to do data science. Um, I guess my, my story is just one example of how um, one can end up doing data science. Right. And um, yeah, so within the data science team at Pragmatic itself, we have people from uh, many different uh, backgrounds. We have uh, people who have worked in computer sciences, people who have worked in languages. And um, this is sort of reflective of the wider data science field today. Um, if you actually look at where people uh, are coming from when they enter the data science field, you'll see a wide variety uh, of uh, back educational backgrounds, training backgrounds. Um, and Anna, in your case, uh, your background is actually in physics, right? Yes, my background is physics. I did my undergrad in physics, I did my PhD in physics, and then also my postdoc. Uh, but it was often quite uh, interdisciplinary. And that was sort of what attracted me to data science as well, this multidisciplinarity. Can I ask a question? Um, when you talk about physics, I know that there are like different kinds. There's like theoretical physics and experimental physics. What was your sort of area mm -hmm. of focus? Yes. So my um, PhD was in soft matter physics, um, theoretical or computational. So I wasn't um, in the lab wearing a lab coat. I was at a computer coding and analyzing data, building simulations, mathematical models, things like that. Then in my postdoc, uh, I continued um, sort of data analysis um, and things like that, mainly still at the computer. And then slowly, I also started to do some experimental work, um, in particular when I started working on some uh, project that involved dolphins and studying dolphin cognition. That was a very sort of multidisciplinary project where I started off as a technical computer person, but then actually I ended up building things with my hands. So I'm not a, a very traditional physicist in that sense, but I would say that my physics sort of origin would be in the soft matter physics. I would just like to back up a second, because I feel like you buried the lead a little bit. You said that you were working with dolphins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I should back up. Um, so 
Uh, when I started my postdoctoral research, I was granted this uh, fellowship at the Rockefeller University, and it was at the Center for Studies in Physics and Biology at the Rockefeller University. And this fellowship is actually great because um, it really gives uh, people who get it the freedom to work on whatever they want to work on. You don't even need to work with somebody at the university. It's really like you get three years to just be an explorer and really a researcher in the sort of pure sense of the word. So it gave me an opportunity to do whatever I wanted. And I got more and more into neuroscience at the time. So I was sort of bringing my physics background and my quantitative knowledge into, um, um, into this collaboration with uh, actually two different labs. So one was focused on how non-human primates process faces, so really just vision. And then the other project was on dolphins. Yeah, who would have thought? I collaborated with a group where the uh, PI, uh, so the head of the lab, Marcelo Manasco, was collaborating with Diana Reese from Hunter College. And she has been working on dolphin behavior for decades and is really the dolphin expert. And when they started collaborating, we sort of um, built this very um, nice uh, multidisciplinary team where very different backgrounds and very different skills and expertise kind of came together in this dolphin project. Wow. And uh, you mentioned that uh, at the beginning, your role was more on the technical side. Um, was this coding or was it data analysis? Yeah. For, so for the project that I work with, um, with the first lab that I mentioned, uh, I was doing a lot of data analysis. So basically... Um, analyzing neuronal data, so recordings from um, neurons, actually single neuron recordings. For the Dolphin project, it started off, um, I guess, similarly, but it quickly evolved into somebody needs to build this touchpad for dolphins. And I was like, yeah, me, can I do it? <laughs> so basically, I started doing more and more of, I guess, experimental work, which I didn't do before. So it started to be also a lot of optics, as well as developing code, because somebody actually had to build the software that was running on the on the screen, so on the touchpad. Uh, so I was kind of doing all sorts of things at the time, building things together, actually, uh, as well as coding. So it was a lot of fun. And like when you started moving out from behind the desk and started making like what it sounds like iPads for dolphins, <laughs> right? Which is amazing. I have so many like questions. I, I, let's be realistic. Yeah. It was in singular, not plural. I built a touchpad for dolphins, not. <laughs> but I mean, that's still. I feel like that's one more iPad than dolphins have had True. historically. True. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Wow. What what did that feel like? Were you scared to make that transition? Was it hard? Um, was it exhilarating? Tell us more so about it. I usually get scared in front of transitions of life that come at me. And then it's very exhilarating when I actually do them. So that was just another example of that. I have never before done experimental work. I didn't build things, you know, or, or do actually experimental um, setups. Um, and so, but I love doing things with my hands. So um, that was something that I was actually missing a lot. Didn't even realize necessarily. So it was scary because I didn't know, I, can I make a touchpad for dolphins? I, I don't know. So it was very scary. But at the same time, doing it was, I had the most fun. I probably can say in all of my research work, that was the most fun. It was uh, very, a lot of new things, a lot of new things to learn. But really, it was what I really enjoyed was this 
component of people from very different back people from very different backgrounds bringing different types of skills to the project that really made it um, what it was. So uh, cognition of uh, dolphins, uh, what would you say was the main thing you learned? Uh, what have we learned about cognition of dolphins, uh, especially with the interaction with these uh, pads that you were designing? The idea of the underwater touchscreen project was that we wanted to create an experimental platform with which we can basically probe their cognitive abilities. Um, the focus was on their vocal learning and their vocal communication, but also basically just giving them choice uh, and control of different toys and different interactions that they can get. So what I designed was this um, underwater screen that they could touch and given particular symbols that were shown on the screen, they could touch things and then they could get a ball if that symbol meant ball or they could get uh, somebody to touch them if that symbol meant that. So it sort of involved them learning what different symbols mean um, and that they could start to learn to use that so that they are in control of their environment. Um, right. The project is still ongoing because it's a, such a big project and it takes forever to when you work with animals. Um, so there's still sort of results coming out. But one thing that we wanted to do was to have them to have the dolphins not be taught how to use this, but to really self-learn just like a child learns, right? If you give a child an iPad, they just know what to do, basically. It's so intuitive. And the idea here was, can we do the same with them? And the, our, the results of the time when I was still doing um, this and were, was on the project was that we basically showed them some very simple, like a whack-a-mole type of game, where if you touch a fish, it swims away. Um, and they were able to basically play that without any introduction or without any learning. We just showed it and they were basically banging on the fish. Um, I shouldn't say banging, but touching the fish. So, uh, the, and that's sort of something that's in general, to some degree, um, known about dolphins that certain learning patterns resemble, resemble early stages of say language development in, in humans and so forth. Uh, so that was really the idea of this whole building the platform. That sounds amazing. Did you did you meet the dolphins? Yes, that was the best part of this. Not just the fact that I got to have a screwdriver in my hand finally, so that I was not only coding, but I could also build things. But the even better part was I got to interact with dolphins, which was fantastic. Uh, so that was just another basically plus of that project. We worked with the dolphins from the National Aquarium in Baltimore. And we also worked with dolphins in the field, so the wild dolphins. So a lot of dolphins. It was amazing. Uh, so are dolphins going to take over? Should we be worried, or are they Absolutely. smarter than us? <laughs> okay, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Data science is our only salvation. We need to dive right in, I think. Yes. No pun intended. Like the dog from Rick and Morty, this uh, new um, series, yeah. Well, not not so new anymore, but uh, at some point, uh, the the dog is given some augmentation device that he puts it puts on its head, uh, learns to speak, and then by the end of the episode, they had taken over the world. So yeah, we have to be careful with how much technology yeah. we put in the hands or in the fins, in this case, of dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> so moving from dolphins, I have so many, I feel like this whole podcast could be about dolphins, but let's move to the uh, data science because that's sort of our remit. But talk to us a little bit about how you see the sort of interdisciplinarity that you learned and embraced during your, um, your graduate studies and your postdoc um, as you moved into the private sector and became a, a, a working data scientist. Yeah, so... Um, I would say that so much of what I've learned as an academic researcher in physics was sort of translatable to what I do now as a data scientist. One thing that physicists sort of are exposed to a lot is just coding. So a lot of basically programming background, which has been very useful, of course, and is a very important component of being a data scientist. Um, of course, just the math stats background that's also um, very much a part of it. But definitely the part of working with people from different backgrounds um, on all these projects where I've basically communicated with people who are from very different backgrounds, who do not necessarily code, who do not, uh, who are not technical, but bring other expertise to the table. In our case, it was dolphin behaviorists, people who, did, who handled dolphins, who worked with them and really knew how we can get this project to be successful. Um, really being able to communicate with them, the technical things, while also learning how to understand them uh, has been a very important component of doing data science, being able to communicate, being able to explain something to somebody from a different background. Um, another thing, of course, working in a team, that I guess depends on the data science role. Some people can be data scientists that are just one person is the whole data science team, I guess, depends on where you work. But um, I have... I can say that a lot of the experience that I gained with working in the team has also been very useful. Another thing that one learns if you do academic research is to be very resilient in some sense and, and keep going when things don't work at the first try. So that's another sort of making you stubborn and feel determined that this is going to work and maybe the fifth time, but you don't stop when it doesn't work twice. <laughs> right. So at some point, um, you decided to gravitate towards the area of data science. Uh, when was that? And how was that experience? And how did you find the new world of data science to be like? That happened about two years ago that I started to really actively think about doing data science. And what I mainly was missing, essentially, was the pace. The pace was not the right for me. So I kind of needed something a little more dynamic and something with a little more direct feedback and more real world, I guess. And that's where I felt that applying my skill set to data science problems would be something I would enjoy. And it has proven to be the case. So I essentially went into this transition, as I mentioned at the beginning, with a bit of fear, just like um, trying anytime trying something new, but also very excited. It was, it was, a change long time coming and I was very excited to go into that and I was thinking about all the different ways how I could move from academia to data science one of which was applying to the data incubator bootcamp and so I basically took the bootcamp route to to uh, go into industry and it has been a great experience for me and it was a very smooth transition um, so I ended up staying at the data incubator because I loved it so much. Um, and, but um, it was a very smooth transition for me. And I have to say that 
the the world of data science fits me very well. I'm very happy with how I can use so many of the skills, sort of different different kinds of skills, um, in my everyday work now. Uh, so what I was going to say is that, yes, uh, data science being such a multidisciplinary field and a new field, by the way, um, we see people coming in uh, to data science from many different areas, uh, from business analytics, from academia, uh, and even from political sciences. Um, and yeah, I think one of the essential ingredients of a data science team of a data science project is what you were mentioning uh, which is that these are um, applying these are teams that apply technical skills but also strategic skills uh, into using these new technologies to solve organizational problems strategic problems or business problems and that's what makes it so important to have different perspectives uh, in a team that is trying to solve these complex problems. Anna. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what, what does your job look like from day to day now that you're working in data science? So um, a data scientist in residence at the data incubator is, I guess, slightly special compared to other data science jobs because we also teach. So quite a big part of what I do is go around, teach other people how to do data science. And again, being one of the things that um, I love, uh, it's it suits me very well. So a large part, part of, the, of my time is teaching, developing curriculum, developing everything that's necessary for our courses and the teaching part of data science. Um, the rest, I would say, is a lot of coding, um, but then also communicating, uh, right? Being in, uh, communicating with our marketing team, communicating with our sales team, and really sort of being there as a, the technical person as the important component in that relationship. And of course, doing all sorts of, I'll say, data science tasks for the data incubator. Uh, sometimes we need a dashboard where certain results analyzing uh, certain data that we have or that we want to get some insight into um, and things like that. So I would say it has these three components, teaching, uh, developing uh, data science solutions for the data incubator, and then also all the other communication with the other uh, components of our business. And uh, coming from a background um, in physics, what would you say are the main strengths you find in that day-to-day? Maybe things, a, a different perspective that you feel that you have because of your physics background, or um, some uh, modeling uh, abilities. I don't know. What would you say is this main strength that you brought with you and that you use in your day-to-day? I would say that one of the biggest strengths and one of the, the main things that I've learned from doing very interdisciplinary work, especially during my postdoc, was communicating with people from different backgrounds so that you really have this... Um, keep it at the forefront of your mind that the person you're talking to might not have the technical background and being able to understand what's important information for them and what do you need to explain to them uh, in a, and how so that they will understand and they'll really just get the information they need for, for what's relevant for them. I would say that that's probably the main thing um, I, I, I brought with me. And 
What words of advice would you have for someone who is working in some sort of field, but they want to transition to the private sector? Maybe they're doing research and they want to move on to something else. What advice would you give to someone who wants to become a data scientist? I would say it depends on what their technical skills currently are. If it's somebody who is coming from natural sciences or other STEM fields, uh, computer science, then they probably have the coding background and some math and stats. In which case, it's really just about basically making your resume available. Um, it's really about making your resume fit the industry and um, making sure that you can present yourself in a way um, that um, the industry needs. If somebody's coming from a different background, so say something like languages or humanities um, in general, uh, then it depends if they still need to brush up on their coding or other. Um, say math skills, I would say first focus on that. Of course, all the boot camps and different learning paths that are available, I think, um, are always, I would encourage people to do that. I've just had such good experience and know many people who have good experience with that, that I would uh, advertise that, of course. But otherwise, I would say brushing on your, on your technical skills, making sure you know how to communicate well, how to express um, what your results, how to visualize your results, um, and then practice interviewing, I would say. Just apply for jobs, um, take interviews, and practice. Right. And um, just uh, I can't stress enough how uh, varied the industry, uh, the data science field in general is. Uh, there was actually a, a study done on Indeed data uh, not long ago, published as a, as a post on medium.com. Uh, and the results are actually pretty surprising. So I'm reading off here that uh, only 20% of uh, data scientists come from computer science uh, fields. Maybe another 10% come from engineering. But then you have another 20% coming from business and economics. You have another, um, I'm trying to see here, maybe 15% coming from maths and statistics. Uh, then you have another 5% coming from natural sciences. And then you also have um, another fully 12% uh, of people coming from uh, other uh, social sciences, uh, liberal arts, and other programs uh, or other fields of, of, uh, of, of study and, uh, and of research. So, yeah, uh, the field is incredibly varied and much more than other maybe other roles such as uh, software engineers or data analysts. Uh, or machine learning engineers, um, data science is truly um, a multidisciplinary field. And we see it in, in our day-to-day -day when we work on data science projects, when we go teach uh, at different uh, companies uh, or with, in our public courses, we see this. Um, yeah, so definitely don't be discouraged um, because of your background. Actually, turn around, it's a strength. Having a different background is a strength when you're... Um, uh, when you're joining a data science team. Excellent. Well, Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I know it's Friday. I know everyone is ready for the weekend, so we appreciate you taking the time. Also, while we're at it, thank you for answering all of my questions like on a day-to-day -day basis where I'm like, how do I code this? How do I code you that? You are very, very welcome. I, am, I was happy to be here <laughs> with you. It was very nice chatting with you.